Hey everybody, welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me this week, as always, is Corey Starr. Hello, hello. Corey, how's it going? It's going pretty well. I got to see Depeche Mode last night. Um, currently in Salt Lake City, hoping to go to the Great Salt Lake tomorrow, oh, which we really like. You're in Salt Lake City? Yeah. Like right now, recording? Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize we were doing this on location. Um, yes. Who are you in Salt Lake City with? My husband. Ah, I saw that you were. I, I saw an In and Out Burger post on <laughs> your uh, Instagram, but I, I didn't know that was a current thing. Like, I didn't, I didn't put together that you were going to be traveling. Um, well, <clears throat> this is a this is the first. This is good to know. So when you're off on the road, being crazy and adventurous, um, we can still record the podcast. So that's good. Yes, Bill was a little nervous about the. Uh the uh, wi-fi but it seems to be okay so far knock on wood and we'll, we'll hope for that um to hold out what about uh so we're not recording on our usual friday because you're driving back from salt lake is that what's happening um we are staying here um we're going back home on saturday but tomorrow we're going to go to the salt lake and uh also i w- really want to go to the planetarium because as far as i know i've never been to a planetarium ah but then I was wondering if they had one at the uh, Kennedy Space Center. I really don't know. You should reenact uh, the scene from yes. La La Land. Um, no. Oh. <laughs> Bill, I'll get Bill, too. There we'll, you go. we'll do it. We can't dance well, but we'll do it. Yeah, it doesn't have to be well. but um, right. So well, that's that's interesting. I've, I've just had a busy week, but um, I was supposed to have a, a golf match this evening. Not Again, I don't play. I coach, but um, my course was uh, having some construction done, and we were expecting it to thunder and lightning all night, although I don't think it's rained, although I've had headphones on for like the last two hours while I've been watching all these different clips. I'm getting ready for my film classes tomorrow, Um, so who knows, but it's been a busy week, and I still managed to get uh, two movies in. Um, One is what we're going to be talking about today, which is our review of The Wrestler, but I also watched Darren Aronofsky's uh, Requiem for a Dream on Monday, oh. which I want to talk about before we get into uh, what's coming out on home video this week and what's going to be in the theater. And um, you had said you'd seen it and you didn't want to watch it again, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? I do want to watch it again, but it is heavy. And because I watched it probably when I was like 19 or 20, which we don't talk about how old I really am, but it was a while ago, and I know that I missed some things or I didn't appreciate some things, but it's so heavy that I haven't been able to watch it. You know what I mean? I need to, like, yeah. consciously, like, work myself up to it. And I, like, if I go to get blood drawn or I have to go get a shot at the doctor, okay, fine. But I cannot handle watching that type of drug usage. Hmm. Well, see, I feel like he does a pretty good job of not showing that like it's a lot of the like whenever someone's doing drugs we get these really quick cut close-ups of just things that imply the use Um, okay there's a couple of scenes where you do see the needle and the worst one i don't know for sure if you see it it enter the arm because i looked away um, Mm -hmm. because of uh i don't want to spoil this movie because this is not our review but there's a jared leto's arm looks pretty gross at one point um and I, I couldn't I couldn't look. So I don't actually know if you see it or not because I had to look away. Um, it grossed me out. But um, it's definitely it, a heavy movie, though. 
isn't there a scene in that movie at some point and somebody like injects it in between their toes or something? Uh, no. No. I don't okay. Think so. I don't. Okay. Um, Just remembering. Yeah, no, I don't remember any real scenes of them showing them doing it. It's uh, um, wow. he he employs this rapid cut uh, split screen if there's multiple users, so you see like two needles getting filled. You see them uh, squirting cotton. You see it. Um, you see like a it's a manufactured shot of like cells in the liquid squirting into the veins, but you don't mm-hmm. actually. It's not. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like animated, and then it's a uh, close up of the pupil dilating. Um, in rapid succession. I might have missed a couple of images there, but that's uh, how it's shot to imply the use of drugs without showing it. Um, and I don't I don't recall anything like that. Although I, I have seen in a movie them shoot in between the toes, but I don't remember what it was. I've, I'm recently, the only uh, movies that I've watched that have that type of drug use were train spotting. Um, I don't remember them doing that in that, though. Like, it doesn't seem like they would have done it in that. For some reason, and like I said, I watched that movie so long ago, I might not have even been 19 or 20. Because in that movie, I want to say it came out in 98? Uh, no, 2000. Um, it's a, it's after okay. Fight Club. So okay. uh, Jared Leto um, had already been the blonde. <laughs> With bad eyebrows. Yes. Okay. Okay. And for some reason, I can watch Train Spotting, and there are still parts that definitely bother me, and mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. But for some reason, that one just sticks out so much to me. Well, Requiem, uh, it's it's interesting. Um, I had mentioned that I'd started watching it on the last episode. I ended up not getting back to it until Monday, so I started it over. I didn't want to jump in where I'd left off three days before. So um, I did like it, uh, although it definitely ends on a, on a, a downside. Uh, it's a very negative. And there are parts that, I, that were really sexually um, over the top, for which it's supposed to be, but... Uh, it's definitely not a movie for everybody. That's for sure. Is I guess what I'm getting at. Um, the, mm-hmm. which that's the Jennifer Conley uh, at the end. story. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Very intense at the end. Uh. Did not expect that. I love that. her. Oh yeah. And it's just I think she's so great, and I'm trying to remember other movies that I've watched her in. Oh, she was just recently. Well, not recently in a movie but in a movie i watched recently a horror movie and i'm blanking out um as a kid and then of course she was in labyrinth and i know i've seen her in other stuff but for some reason it still just shocks me that she was in a role like that yeah um and she's terrific in the movie although it's also horrific what happens to her so it's it's you know it's a cat i mean the whole movie it's it's definitely um an anti-drug movie which is you know, and I would say so is train spotting for the most part. They both showcase the the negative effects of drug use. Uh, in no way do I feel like they glorify drugs, which is compelling because there's other movies out there that definitely glorify drug use. And again, it's perspective of the directors and and the writers. Uh, you know, what are they trying to showcase? But um, it's, you know, I'm I'm I think halfway through. I need to watch um, Black Swan and Noah, and I think that's it to get caught up before Mother. So I should oh, be dang. good. Um, I'm pretty sure I've hit most of what he's done. I, I mean, I, I wouldn't mind rewatching Pi because I watched it last year, and so um, there's a chance that my memory of it's not as strong. But I have seen it, and I think that's my bigger goal is just seeing all of his works. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm double-checking myself here if he is, uh, in fact, if that's everything. But um, while we're doing that, Let's look at what's coming out on home video 
this coming Tuesday, August 29th, we've got a few movies coming out um, that are uh, really, well, not necessarily great. There's one that I think is very great that most people will not have seen. So hopefully uh, that will actually be at Redbox, or you can definitely get it uh, VOD. Um, and I don't know if you know this, Corey, but um, some people have Apple TV instead of, like, they have Roku, Apple TV, Fire Stick. Those are all different video-on-demand boxes, right? Mm-hmm. And of those three, Roku is the only one that had uh, Vudu on it, um, which is oh. Walmart's digital streaming service that I use a lot. And it's it's got... Um, if you buy a movie from Walmart or if you have an ultraviolet account, it syncs to Vudu and you have, there's all your movies. But in order to watch them, if you don't have a video game system uh, to watch them on your TV, Roku is the only one that had it. Um, Amazon owning Fire Stick, they rent and sell movies, so they didn't want Vudu on there. And Apple has their iTunes, obviously, and they rent and sell movies on there. So they've not had Vudu available on either one of those platforms. But this week, um, Apple TV added voodoo to their uh their apps which was a big step forward in my opinion and yet also a sign that apple is losing the steve jobs mentality of keeping everything um in-house because they basically opened up the door for uh, people to rent movies on either platform um now if it's anything like their ipad app for voodoo you won't be able to actually rent the movies from the app you'll have to rent them from a computer and then watch them on the app but I don't know if that's true. I haven't Weird. had a chance to check it yet. But it's another control thing. They figure if you have to do an extra step, you're more likely to run it from them. But uh, uh, um, but let's get into the list of what's coming out this week. Uh, we'll start with the biggest named movie, or at least the one that has the biggest names in it, and that's Baywatch is hitting home video on Tuesday. Um, I saw Baywatch. I thought it was not as funny as it was, looked like it could be. Um, I wasn't necessarily surprised. I just was hoping. I was optimistic that Dwayne Johnson and Zac Efron could make this movie entertaining. Um, it's not, it's not horrible in terms of entertainment, but it's definitely, it's definitely not great. Uh, it had a 37 Metacritic, 5.6 user rating on IMDb, and I agree. It's a middle of the run comedy. It's nothing spectacular. It's nothing to rush out. If you're a big fan of any of, of the actors involved. Dwayne Johnson, Zac Efron, Alex, Alexandra Daddario, I think is how you say her last name. Um, I think so. Then, you know, okay, they're all fine in it. None of them do, a, like, a horrible job, but the, the plot's kind of pointless, and um, it's definitely cheesy, and some of the jokes don't really work. And there are some funny parts, like, for sure. Um, like, Dwayne Johnson constantly is calling Zac Efron various boy band names throughout the... Uh, oh. And that's pretty great. Um, but again, that's a very small joke that happens quickly and kind of is a throwaway even because he just says it and keeps doing his thing, which is what makes it funny. But it's not worth renting the movie for if you're not like really sold on the premise. Um, you didn't see Baywatch, right? No. Yeah. It didn't do well in theaters. <laughs> it pretty much bombed. And it's it's here on home video. Um, the next movie is an, uh, a drama that... I wanted to see only because of the lead, which is Rachel Weiss, um, who was on in uh, the Fountain that we watched last week. Um, it's called My Cousin Rachel. I didn't realize that was already coming out. Yeah, it it, it didn't have a big run in theaters. It did have a, a limited release, but um, My Cousin Rachel. Uh, I'm going to read the IMDb because I don't know the plot myself. But a young Englishman plots revenge against his late cousin's mysterious, beautiful wife, believing her responsible for his death. 
but his feelings become complicated as he finds himself falling under the beguiling spell of her charms. Uh, stars Rachel Weiss, Sam Claflin, and Ian Glenn. Um, directed by Roger Michelle, or I'm assuming Michelle. And uh, I'm a fan of her, so I'm more likely going to check this one out if I can get to it. I'm still very behind on some rentals. I haven't seen the Lost City of Z or Slight yet, two movies that I've talked about on the show and I've not gotten to rent yet. Although it doesn't look like Slight's at Redbox, so I'll have to drop the three bucks on it um, in order to see it. But uh, This is one you wanted to see? Yes, and I was just thinking that last week, or yeah, we were talking about how charming she is. So I feel like this is probably a really good role for her. It's right there in the synopsis. It's in the synopsis, yes, exactly. Um, and the last movie that's coming out on home video that's I think is worth renting, although the Metacritic score and the IMDb user score aren't as enthusiastic as I was, but I saw this movie at the Florida Film Festival this year, and it's Dean, the uh, Dimitri Martin vehicle. Oh! Um, oh, yeah. Written and directed by and starring Dimitri Martin uh, with Kevin Kline, uh, Jillian Jacobs, and um, Mary Steenberger, uh, Steenburgen. I always mess up her name, but however you correctly say her name, um, it's I loved it. Um, it's a comedy about loss and grief, and I'm, that's a quote from IMDb's summary. But um, Kevin Kline is Dimitri Martin's father in the movie, Dean's father in the movie, and um, it's their his mother and his wife you know had passed away and neither of them have really dealt with it it happened before we've met them in the movie but um we watch as dean is trying to kind of find a way of dealing with it the loss and uh it's a compelling story it's very funny if you like dimitri martin i think it's it's definitely worth watching if you don't get into his comedy then no you're probably not gonna like the movie because it's definitely a dimitri martin type film I do really want to see this one. Um, I saw the trailer, I think, for it, but it sounds like it's right up my alley. Yeah, we, we talked about it briefly um, earlier in the summer when it had a very limited release, and I highly recommended it then. I'm highly recommending it again. Um, I'm actually looking forward to rewatching this one. I might just buy it because I really did love it. It was one of my favorite movies at the festival. Um, that and Patty Cakes, which is currently playing in limited release across the country. Um so, yeah, Dean is coming to home video. I highly recommend that. If you're going to rent one of the three coming out this week, that that's the one that you do it because um, it's, in my opinion, the best of the three. So we'll get into uh, what's coming out in theaters. There's not much. There's only one movie listed as coming out um, on September 1st, uh, 2017, and that is Tulip Fever. Have you heard of this movie, Corey? No. This is the fourth movie this year uh with dane dehan in it um, what? As then a, i don't want to see it <laughs> i'm i'm fairly confident that he is in leap uh that came out uh this friday um but yeah it's uh well but it's got dane dehan but it has alicia vikander um unless i'm just mixing up movies maybe he's not in leap and i just yeah. completely oh well it has him listed here for leap uh no. Oh. oh, for Leap? Oh, sorry. I thought you said for lead in this. Oh, no. Yep. He's. I just checked him, and yeah, he's in Leap confirmed. Um, so he had this year, Valerian, Tulip Fever, Cure for Wellness, and Leap. Um, although it looks like Cure for Wellness and Leap are both listed as 2016, so they oh. must have shown in a film festival or something. Um, Why? Oh, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the cast for this movie, and why is Cara Delevingne in everything? She's so bad. Oh, is she in this too? 
Yes. Oh, yep, there she is. And but it's got Christoph, Christoph Waltz, Waltz, who I am Zach such a fan. Um, which I I think I told you, but every time that I see his name now, I'm just gonna die because I went back and watched um, like the first four or five seasons of uh, Reno 911, and he's in a few episodes. He like plays this crazy man who lives out in like you know a trailer on like land that's not his, and he has all these crazy kids and stuff. But he was just so funny in that. Now I did hear about this movie um, from a couple of different. Uh, perspectives and an artist falls for a young married woman while he's commissioned to paint her portrait during the tulip mania of 17th century amsterdam so i did not know about tulip mania until this movie Oh, that's it's like a big festival right i don't know if it still is a big festival this is probably the I founding it of is. it um okay. i um it is my understanding is that at this time in amsterdam in the 17th century um tulips became so valued that they were almost like currency um like people were using it as money um oh wow and i don't know i've not done any fact checking i'm just reciting what i was told um but yeah it's directed by uh justin chadwick um who did the other bowling girl and uh mandela long walk to freedom and that's all i know that he's done Uh, i'm looking he's got a lot of stuff a lot of tv shows but i haven't seen any of them so that um, is hilarious. I was just having to read a little bit about Tulip Mania. Yeah, it's uh, it's a sister of WrestleMania, um, but <laughs> with tulips. So um, I am an Alicia Vikander fan for sure. I am less of a Dane DeHaan fan as of recent uh, <laughs> as he's making mm. some questionable choices. And uh, I am a big Christoph Waltz fan. But realistically, he's only done two movies that I've been really happy with. Um, and that's uh, Django and um inglorious bastards both tarantino films uh he was not i don't blame him for specter but specter he i felt like he was underused um and uh i didn't see big eyes um with um amy Amy adams Adams. and he's in a few other films um i think he's in uh, he's the villain in green hornet which i thought he was really good in that but i think that's all i've seen him in um i didn't watch tarzan from last year yet and horrible bosses too. I couldn't sit through the whole thing. I don't. I just. I just don't care for those movies. Um, yeah, that's all I've seen him in. But I love him so much in Inglorious Bastards, and then I loved him in Django so much. So, um, that's uh, that's Tulip Fever. I don't know how wide of a release it's getting. It's listed as a wide release, but um, you know, it's the only thing. It's literally the only movie that's just being released. Um, on that day. Now, on that same note, though, Close Encounters of the Third Kind re-release is listed for September 1st. So, is is that going to actually be, like, multiple days, not just... That is what I was a little confused about. I can look it up, because I think that um, it's going to have... Yeah, it has, like, four or five showtimes. I did look that up. Um, Because I thought that it was one of the... uh, Like a fathom, yeah. That's what I was expecting, too. And they always do, like, the Sunday, Wednesday, 2 and 7 o'clock, and that's it good luck yeah yeah exactly if you're if you can't make it to one of those too bad for you um that kind of bums me out that we already did that for an episode now because uh you know i I mean i'll go watch it again for sure but i mean i just we just watched it so um it is a re-release so i'm wondering if they've done anything to it i need to do some reading on it did but i could be wrong well 
Um, that's what's coming out on September 1st, the re-release of Cl- Close Encounters. If that is accurate and that's going to be in uh, all theaters and not just in select markets, um, I say go see that over Tulip Fever. But, you know, Tulip Fever had like a 6.5 user rating. Um, from I can't remember what critic I heard mentioning it the other day. They didn't seem like they were real high on it. Like, no, it wasn't awful, just nothing spectacular, nothing to rush out and see. Um, but with that in mind, let's get into this week's... Uh, big review which is Darren Aronofsky's The Wrestler. Um like we'll do initial impressions and then we'll get into our spoilers. Um I one I had mentioned that I'd seen this before but I didn't watch all the way through. Uh I watched way more of it than I thought, which I didn't know until I watched it last night that I I'm like, "Oh. Oh yeah, I've seen this. Oh, I've seen this part too." So now, I'm actually not sure I didn't watch the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, which doesn't bode well but I I definitely feel like I stopped it at some point and I feel like I've seen clips in various uh, like like lists online and and on YouTube and stuff Um, just because it is is a well regarded film Um, but let's go through the statistics here Uh, we got directed by Darren Aronofsky it stars Mickey Rourke, Marissa Tomei and Evan Rachel Wood are your top build Um, Mark Margolis is listed Todd Berry is the boss uh, Wash Stevens and everyone else is uh, well Ernest Miller which is interesting Ernest Miller is um, I think I finally realized where I recognize him no maybe not hmm I thought he was in Mortal Kombat no he okay he no he wasn't in Mortal Kombat he was a WCW wrestler uh, for a limited oh. time and um, he's he plays the the guy he wrestles at the end of the movie in case that's not clear um it came out in 2008, and I know I'm trying to find IMDb is like different on the computer. I'm not used to looking at it on here. <laughs> um, I prefer it on the computer, but yes. I know it won some awards, or at least was nominated for some awards. Where is the stupid stuff with all the awards? Yeah, two Oscars nominated. Okay. Just nominated, but not one. Um, yeah, uh, nominated for Best Performance by an Actor in a Leading Role, Mickey Rourke, and Best Performance by an Actress in a Supporting Role, Marissa Tomei, but they won, um, some other stuff, uh, at the Golden Globes, BAFTA, BAF, can I just call it BAFTA, uh, they won some other things. Ah, well, yeah, I'm looking at it, and I finally, somehow I was skipping over it because of the Amazon ad above it, um, <sighs> but, yeah. Uh, so well-received movie. It has a 81 on Metacritic, a 7.9 user rating. Um, what's your initial impression of the film, Corey? Without going into spoilers, the most un-Aronofsky, Aronofsky film. Yeah, I know. I still have a lot to watch. Um, I haven't seen. Same. I, I have a couple. I still need to watch too, such as uh, Pi. Ah, which you know that's definitely his most Aronofsky film. I think. Um, but so we have Pi, Requiem, The Fountain. Uh, I've seen all three of those. Now I've seen The Wrestler. I need to watch Black Swan and Noah. Seen that one. And then I'll seen be no. covered. So. Oh, that's all of them. That's all of so, them. I just need to watch Pi. Yep. Everything else is shorts. Uh, a video game. Um, and. I kind of feel like a winner right now. And then there's a Lou Reed and Metallica The View video yes. short. Yes. I don't know what that is, but that's a video short. But yeah, and then Mother comes out on September fifteenth. Um, so yeah, he has not done much, uh, which seems to be he picks a lot of his his uh, movies. Like we said, there's a big gap between um, Requiem and The Fountain, six year gap, 
which you explained on the Fountain episode that he had uh, been working on it. He had Brad Pitt and Kate Blanchett. Is that right? Um, I believe so. That uh, set to be in the Fountain, and then they they lost their funding, um, which set him back a couple of years apparently. Um, so yeah. My impression for sure is this is a, a much more straightforward type of movie yes. than what he usually does. And um, I don't think it's a bad thing. I mean, I think that might be why it's more accessible than some of his other films. Exactly. I think that this would be probably um, if I didn't know somebody very well or even if I did know them very well. And depending on what kind of person they were, if they did ask for one of his movies, you know, a recommendation, I would probably... Because, I mean, there's, like, some stuff in here that might be questionable for, to some people, but I don't feel like it's as bad as some of his others. Yeah, um, there's more nudity, uh, really, than his other films, <sighs> um, which is not necessarily, again, I'm not saying that's bad. I'm saying by comparison, because, like, Requiem, there's the scene where Jennifer Connelly's standing with her underwear off, and you can, in the mirror, see her pubic region, but not really at the same time. Like, I'd heard about it. And I was expecting it to be very graphic, and then it it really wasn't. And I was like, oh, okay. And then that's it. There's no other nudity in Requiem, despite you know it being a drug movie that deals with... Well, okay, that's not true. There is some at the very, very end. Um, but it's mainly... Uh, it's rapid cut, so you're, you're never lingering on it, where um, Marissa Tomei's character in The Wrestler is a stripper. And so he frequents that strip club a lot and there's always nudity um when he's there which of course makes sense and then and lots of her i just yeah a whole lot of her um and it is weird because now she's aunt may to spider-man and it was a little weird like i'm like oh no aunt may what are you doing it, and but she didn't get naked in that one. I'm guessing. No, no. Although there's a lot of jokes so, about it. Actually, there's a lot of. Uh, oh God. Everyone keeps saying how hot she is to Peter. It's <laughs> so. Ew. Yeah, and he kind of reacts that way too. That's what like I'm watching the rest. Are like you don't have to put Peter through college this way, May. It's oh okay. God. <laughs> um, oh God. he'll get a scholarship. He's smart. But uh, Mickey Rourke. Um. He, he's such a freaky looking dude and, uh, and so I, I am gonna be completely honest here i'm not very familiar with him i can't remember anything else that i've seen him in but were there like cheek implants or something in this film because i mean he i'm like looking at him and he is a weird looking man well um he is the villain in iron man 2 uh he plays okay. whiplash which he's kind of weird looking there too um he's in sin city I think maybe both. Oh, okay. Then I've seen both of these things. Okay. Um, and then I might be wrong. No, he is in both. Okay, I thought so, but um, he had he's in a lot of stuff I've seen. I didn't even realize he was in Once Upon a right? Time in Mexico. I was like, uh, trying to think of it. He's in the Expendables, which he's a minor character in the Expendables, so he's like the bartender. Um, and then I know he's the Marlboro Man, I think, with Bruce Willis, if I'm not mistaken, from like the Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man from 1991. Um, oh, I'm, I apologize. He's Harley Davidson. Bruce Willis is the Marble Man. I've never seen that. I just knew he was in it because he has like a long gap where he's not really in anything. And this was his kind of comeback movie, if I'm not mistaken. Um, although, to be fair, Sin City was only a few years before this one. So I um, wanted to hop in and say, too, because I did just a little bit of reading. Um, but apparently Aronofsky had tapped um, Nick Cage <laughs> for this role initially that would have been such a different movie <laughs> like, bad 
Um, he would have <laughs> just say what it is. I think it would. It, it could have been pretty funny, and that's not what this movie should be. But I could see Nick Cage like totally going in, like all in on the wrestling gimmick, you know. Um, yeah. But maybe trying to like be Macho Man or something. Like I could just see Nick Cage just like, oh brother, you know, just like trying real, real hard to be like the wrestlers from the eighties. Um, I thought Rourke does a really good job of. Of like I'm a wrestling fan, like <gasps> going back to my childhood. Like I've always been a fan of wrestling, and I think, I think the movie showcases the world that I've. Um, I'm beyond just like a casual watcher of wrestling. Like I've done studying. I've, I've you know I've looked into the behind the scenes world of wrestling, um, drug addictions, very real. Um, Tony Atlas, who was an '80s star, um, I can't remember if it was MTV's like a diary. I think it was. I think MTV did a diary on him. Um, in the early 2000s and a lot of what they showed of his life r- mimics what you see in the wrestler as far as like him wrestling for you know 20 to 30 people now where he used to be you know on WWE TV and him being you know uh, working a part-time job to to help actually pay for his bills him struggling to pay his bills and uh, being on a, a lot of painkillers from all the abuse that their bodies go through Um and then, of course, that can turn into an addiction too, where they're just taking them because they need them at that point. But which um, verse we forgot to do a spoiler alert. We I haven't didn't... technically talked about anything, okay. yet, but let's do it now. Perfect. Okay. Okay. Um, spoiler alert, everyone. We're probably going to ruin this movie for you. If you want to go check out The Wrestler by Darren Aronofsky first, and then come back and give us a listen, you can or full steam ahead. Um, I also grew up with wrestling. My dad was a big fan. My brother was a big fan. It what any. I don't even remember because I was so young, but um, I remember lots of Hulk Hogan, and if I saw other wrestlers, I would probably remember, but um, it was, I mean, it's still big now, but I just feel like everything was so big back then, then, like, just, I don't even want to really say over the top, because I don't know how to explain what I'm saying, but it just (laughs) seemed so big, it was such a it's such a show and it's like everyone knows that it's fake but they have to be very skilled at what they do so they don't get injured too badly and like i really liked some of the aspects in this film of that because there's a point where he's doing one of those um showcases and i'm like what is he doing and he like cut off a little piece of razor blade and like Mm -hmm. taped it on his finger or something and i'm like is he gonna hurt somebody I thought he was going to hurt someone to win, oh, and then he didn't. He no. cut himself, mm-hmm. like, to give people the show, and, like, he is washed up, and it – does it ever say when this movie's taking place? It doesn't, and I was actually wondering that um, – I feel like it's late 90s, early 2000s that it's supposed to be it's, taking place. Mm-hmm. Um, just there's like the, the cell phones are not really a thing from what you can see. Like you don't see a whole lot of like she has a flip phone with pictures on it. So and he used a pay phone. He did still use a pay phone, which I mean, he doesn't have money to have a cell phone. So that doesn't surprise me. But she did have a flip phone with pictures. So it's a camera flip phone. So maybe it's like 2005, I guess. Okay. Um, so maybe like 15, 20 years after his heyday. Yeah, yeah, easily. Um, you know, if you assume the '80s, because you get that opening montage where you hear the cheering of the crowd, and you see all these like you know magazine clippings and photos of him as I the liked, Ram. I liked a lot that that's how they um, showed us how, what a big deal he was, instead of like 
you know what I mean? I felt like it was really easy to digest. It was really quick in the um, mm-hmm. like opening uh, credits and stuff. But it was like it was. It's a, it's sad, and you wonder like what happened. Did he not get paid very well, or I'm guessing he probably mismanaged his money very badly because also I'm looking at him and I can't imagine that he has many bills to pay. Like he's got that old van and he lives in a trailer in a trailer park. I assume he has rent and electricity and Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah, I would imagine, um, and this is, again, it's true for a lot of wrestlers um, that – you know they're they're either like you said like a lot of athletes in general professional athletes tend to um they get a lot of money really quick um they spend it you know not well and then when the yeah. career ends because all most athletic events of your career ends rapidly you know because your body gets abused you can't take it and while wrestling is fake in terms of um the winners are decided uh you know by things outside of the competition it's a grueling sport it's it's live stunt work you know they're constantly taking bumps and they're you know and it's that's an expression for selling a move like they're flipping over and landing on their back and people oh it's a mat that mat's hard i myself uh did one day of wrestling training um with my with a good friend of mine uh who um has not oh he wasn't he was on our very first episode of top five movie sean uh when we did um i think we did pixar movies or disney movies or something was one of our first mm -hmm. episodes and uh but sean and i went and did we're both longtime wwe fans i mean in fact that was even we've been friends since we were in kindergarten and wrestling was one of those things that bonded us all those years ago and we went to a wrestling school together and we sean almost died like legitimately because he had to uh he went big and sold a front flip which we were not equipped to do and landed on his head (laughs) luckily his neck was okay um, oh, heck. But we took the we were told we were going to learn like a few bumps and then we would watch the practice. But we were involved in a full practice. We had to take chest slaps from everybody, which everyone's like, oh, chest. Slap. No, there. No. Sean had like eight handprints on his chest when it was all over. We had I think we still have the picture somewhere of the abuse that we went through going through wrestling. And um, that was one night, you know, and I we were sore for a good week and a half just from the one night. Um and we were doing bare minimum bumps. So, like, we're when you look at professional wrestlers, they're doing these huge things. Their bodies get beat up and abused. So their careers often are short-lived, you know. Um, and, again, if you're not on the biggest show, which is WWE, you're, you're probably not making much more than, like, what a teacher is making, which isn't a lot. Um, now, if you're uh, WWE, if you're, like, the top dog, like John Cena, you're making a lot. But... There's definitely a lot of wrestlers who don't make as much money as you would expect. Now, I don't know their salaries and all that, but especially from the 80s, uh, it was a time when WWE was growing, but there were, you know, the top dogs and then there were the sub guys. And this guy, they don't say WWE or WWF either, but it's definitely implied that he's from that era um, and maybe had like that rise and the fans that he still has, you know, there's still that love and admiration for uh, the Ram. Still the the hometown hero. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And, I liked um, I liked a lot about this movie. Now that we're talking about it, like as I was watching it, I was just kind of like absorbing it. But um, I liked all of those very humanizing scenes. Like he has to, um, he goes and pretty much is begging for shifts at the local grocery store, and the manager is a jerk to him. And I'm just like, why are you being a jerk? <laughs> you know, unnecessarily. Yeah. Um, and then he's like going and doing these matches on the weekends and 
he uh, he's going to was it the American Legion hall that he was going to to like sell stuff? Yeah, like there was like, like a signing. Polaroids. Yeah, he had a Polaroid camera, um, VHS cassettes uh, instead of like DVDs of his matches, um, which was interesting. And again, I think a little telling of both his financial situation that those VHSs were probably twenty years old, and those that's he still has some. Um, you know, he couldn't afford to like get them converted to DVD or something, which uh, would probably sell more because you know. If you don't have a VHS player, you don't buy a VHS. But um, I love that you did that too. I always call it a VHS player, and I forget that it's called a VCR. VCR. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I was, you know, assuming our younger audiences might not know. And even though, yeah, I kind of forgot for like while I was saying it. Like I think I normally uh, know, but when I was saying yeah. it just now, that was not coming to me. <laughs> I totally said that before. But I, he also has. I love the scene where he invites the neighborhood kid in to play Nintendo with him, yeah. and it's like on Super Nintendo, and he has like the cartridge game of him. Yeah. And the kid's like, "This game sucks." or yeah. something like he's trying to talk about call of duty and all that um yeah and um so the the film is shot interestingly as it for the like a big chunk of the beginning of the movie we don't see his face um we are like walking behind him we're like kind of watch you know we're walking through the hall with him um and it's a lot of tracking shots and it's all handheld camera for those or at least it feels like a handheld camera like it almost feels like a documentary in a way um mm-hmm with when those shots are happening like even when he goes to see his daughter for the first time um it's like we're standing there on the porch with him because like we walk up behind him and then we kind of lean in uh it's all one take uh well it's not all one take because he does some jarring cuts to move the scene along um but it's all from that perspective we're all behind him walking with him um as he's going to to see his daughter and uh that's some of the cinematography in this is really great i love um when we see him go to the ring the first time and we're like following him through the, the hallways and stuff of the, uh, of the arena and him getting ready and him walking out to the, you know, the arena and like slapping fives. Cause they mimic that scene later in the movie when he's uh, about to go to the deli counter for the first time, um, at the grocery store. He's, uh, you know, he's asked for more hours. The guy said, I can give you them, but they're in the deli counter and he's not really thrilled with working with customers because they might recognize him. And then of course they're going to give him crap. Like what? You're the Ram. Why are you cutting deli meat? You know, that kind of stuff. So he's very like nervous about the whole process. So that first time he's walking out to it, they make it like he's walking out to the ring. Um, he's doing some of the same rituals. He's hesitating. And the sound effects mimic the sounds of him walking to the ring until he walks through the curtain. And then he's at work, but I, I love the the parallel of that, and it it's really showing um, him at his lowest, you know, because when he asked for those hours too, they the cinematography, all, all the 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 cinematic language that Aronofsky uses in this film is very straightforward. It's what is expected, but it's also not what I expect from him so far, because he uses things differently. Like he uses the split screen mechanic in Requiem for a Dream. Um, Pi is shot in black and white, and it's uh, very it kind of feels like security cams at points. Like it's very, um, the camera placement's unique because of the small tight areas that the film shot in. And then, uh, the fountain is gorgeous. You know, it's this over the top CG, you know, all these beautiful shots. And then the wrestler is very gritty and grounded and feels again, like a documentary at times. Um, but it fits this movie. Cause again, it, it does feel like, I feel like the Ram was a wrestler. Like I, He's not. This is a fictional story, but it very much feels real and grounded in the world of, of wrestling. 
Um, but yeah, there's a lot of cool shots like that. Um, the relationship with Marissa Tomei is uh, heartbreaking, I would say, like throughout the film. Um, what, what did you think of that? I have... I don't want to say mixed feelings. I feel like he hasn't invested any time in anyone, like, personal to him. Like, not with his daughter, not with whoever his daughter's mother is. Um, We never even hear about her, really, in the film. Um, You know, he's like, like, he does a good job of, like, building up the other people that do this job with him. And he's really good about, um, like making them feel better about themselves and like pointing out their positives and stuff. But I don't feel like he ever gets on a personal level with the people that are closest to him. So I can't even really feel bad for him that he's lonely. Well, I mean, but like the relationship with her, when it first starts, I can't tell where she is with the, with them. You know what I mean? Like he obviously thinks there's something there, um, but I can't tell if she's reciprocating and she's definitely trying not to. Yeah. But um, I love the parallel, though, of the aging wrestler and the aging stripper and how they both have uh, similarities in their career paths. You know, they're both living past their prime in that field and struggling uh, to get by as a result. Which, excuse me, but Marissa Tomei is very attractive. And I don't feel like I feel like with women they're I just feel like there's such a you hit like 35 and it's over. You know what I mean? I feel like that attitude. You mean like the social you're stigma? Not attractive anymore? Yeah. When I don't feel like that's necessarily true. And also, she looks so much younger when she's not in the strip club with all the makeup on yeah. and the dark lights and stuff. So I think it's very interesting how they like put all this makeup on to try to be sultry, but it actually ages them a lot. Well, um, and I, I definitely agree with you. At least though, with the amount of men who are like giving her crap because of her age um it's she's maybe too pretty to really pull that off which might be more impressive that she she's believable like she's a sympathetic character i you know i'm feeling for her she's doing this because she's trying to take care of her son and this is where she can make the most money or at least where she's made the most money but and um, you can see she's trying to give them a good home life they live in a nice location like you see inside their house and stuff and she doesn't seem to bring that home with her in regards to her son so which is definitely where she seems a little apprehensive uh, with Randy um, that, you know, uh, like bringing him into her life because it, he did meet her there. Like he knows her as a stripper. And she even says something like that, like, I'm not a, I'm not the stripper or something like that. You know, like this isn't you want that person, but that's not who Pam is um, that we learn her name later is Pam. She's Cassidy for the beginning of the film, which I don't I guess that's a spoiler because IMDb only lists her as Cassidy. But, you know whatever um which i realize that sometimes they they have like stage names and stuff but i always think it's something ridiculous sorry for all of you people out there with this name for real but something like candy or you know what i mean not like cassidy i thought that was her real name but he doesn't even know her real name not not until that moment and it's a touching moment they go shopping for a gift for stephanie his daughter uh who's played by evan rachel wood who um I'm not super familiar with. I I saw her recently in something else because I remember her name popping up. Um, I don't even know what it is that she was recently in um, or that I recently saw at least. Yeah, I'm still not seeing it. I'm looking on her IMDb. And I'm Wasn't like, she in 13? She is. I don't remember seeing that. Oh, um, my but, sister loved it. Uh, and she's in Across the Universe, which I did watch 
Um, she plays Lucy. She what? Oh, she Lucy. plays Lucy. Yep. And then, um, yeah, I'm still looking. I don't. I know I saw something. Did you see Ides of March? I haven't, and that's a movie that I want to because it's Clooney and um, Gosling. But I have heard Westworld. I I didn't. That might be where I've heard like her name recently though because Westworld was getting a lot of buzz and I didn't watch it, but that's probably where I heard about her um, because nothing else is clicking for me. I'm such a nerd, but I forgot she was in True Blood. Uh, I haven't watched that either. Um, Yeah, I mean I've seen Across the Universe. And this, I guess that's it. I thought she was in something I saw recently. It must be Westworld that I'm thinking of, though. But um, she, you know, she plays the role of the, uh, you know, disenfranchised daughter. I thought pretty well that initial like leave me alone, and then her, you know, warming up to the idea a little bit, and then her heart being broken. Um, she she plays those emotions Hi. well. Cool. And I hope she passed your test. She really did cry, didn't she? Because she got mad. Oh yeah, she looked genuine. Her tears were looked real. Um. Yeah, no, totally. No complaints about it. none of the performances actually. No. Uh, the boss uh, is a, Todd Berry is his boss at the grocery store. He is a comedian that I'm a fan of. I like his style. He has this kind of um, dry sarcasm that he uh, delivers um, in his stand-up. Now in the movie, he's just kind of an a-hole, and it works. You know, it's you know somewhat believable. He makes a lot of little jabs at him about being a wrestler or something about um, what did the price of tights go up and things like that. Um, <sighs> Um, which is funny, but yeah, it's definitely mean, but it, it works, uh, for the, the role and everything like that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think the more I talk about the movie, the more I like it. There is a lot again of, of Marissa Tomei naked and him being at the strip club that it makes it, uh, like it's a movie I can't show at work because so much of it is there's people in a strip club, but I do think the juxtaposition of their two careers is very interesting and you know that the uh, the commentary that these are two um, entertainment careers, and eventually, the, you know, as an entertainer, you you hit a point where you can't do it anymore. Um, it's, it, and it's you don't really think about it, but even with musicians, a lot of times you see them getting aged out, and maybe it's that their music isn't like keeping up with the times, or you know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe their fans aren't purchasing anymore, but it's just very interesting, all of that. Yep. Yeah. And you know the the question I think that comes at the end, he's uh, he's wrestling. He has a heart attack at the midpoint through the movie where um, it basically takes him out. He can't wrestle anymore. He's if he pushes himself, he's going to die. And so, and that's good. Why he takes that other job and he's trying not to wrestle anymore. Yeah, and he he looks resigned to do it at first. Yeah. Um, and things are uh, spiral out of control. He, you know, he tries to reconnect with his daughter. Um, he tries to have a relationship with Cassidy. Both uh, fall apart for one. They kind of lead into each other. Um, I think the does he fight with Cassidy and then he ends up having sex with the girl from the bar. Um, I think so. And then uh, that that night at the bar where he ends up meeting this random woman, um, he was supposed to meet his daughter for dinner, so now she's done with him. And so after all of it just goes wrong, he decides he's going to have this big anniversary match against um, the Ayatollah, which was like his rival, and it was this big match, and it was the 20th anniversary, I think they say, um, of this match that he canceled, but now he's back in because... It's the only thing he loves. It's the only thing that's always been there for him. Wrestling is his world. And essentially he says he would rather die than not wrestle. Like that's where he belongs kind of thing. And 
um, throughout the match, you start seeing him having struggles. Like he's he's clearly not looking well at times. You hear the referee ask him. You hear the Ayatollah say something to him. Um, and the last shot we have is of is a low shot with him diving over the camera, doing his finishing move, the Ram Jam. Do you think he survives? I think with that whole um, the. Uh speech he gives to Cassidy Pam and then the speech he gives on the mat I don't think that he does live yeah I I think that um even the way it's shot I think it's implying that uh this is it this is the end this is the finale he's he's resigned to um end it this way he'd rather end it in the ring doing what he loves than continue living um this kind of shell of a life where everybody is against him and um i do i i I think that's what we're supposed to take from that final shot that uh he's dead that this is it he's going to not only finish the match but finish his life um and it's in a way it's it's like suicide because he knew going in that the odds of survival were against him um and i don't think he had anything else to live for and he looks up to see if Cassidy is still watching him, uh-huh. and he's, like, disappointed, but he goes on. But it's like, she just asked you not to do this because of your health. Why would she sit there and watch you kill yourself? Yeah, and I, I think, I, I wonder if maybe she's there. He doesn't go through just with somewhere it. somewhere else. No, oh, word. No, like, if he sees her, that he, sees her. he stops. Like, he says, I'm hurt, or I need help, or something. But instead, he doesn't. And so... Well, they were- all like Ayatollah and the ref were all trying to help, which was another thing that I appreciated about this movie because we do know that wrestling is scripted, but we would like see them like working out before the all the matches how what moves they're going to do, who's going to win, how it's going to you know end. Yeah. And even Ayatollah's like, just pin me or let's just go. You're not feeling well. Let's just finish it. You've given them enough of a show, but he just keeps going. Yeah, and. I, I as I said I've I've done the research into it and again I, well my one day at wrestling school was not enough to really give me insight I've I've done yeah you know, I've read things I've autobiographies uh, looking into the behind the scenes that stuff it's something I, I was really passionate about for a long time and um, the one scene in this movie that really bugged me is when he cuts his head uh, that is a thing that is that's always been a thing they they did get rid of it WWE has uh, tried to become more family friendly over the last fifteen or so years. Um, and so like they've done away with like they don't hit um, any of the wrestlers with uh, in the head with chairs anymore to avoid concussions. Um, they still will like hit him in the back, but they don't do like headshots with chairs. Um, they stopped cutting a, a while back, although some of the wrestlers might still do it, but they like they get fines and stuff. Now, accidents happen and they do legitimately get cut open sometimes. But that used to be a standard practice. There's a lot of wrestlers. Um, if you can see their forehead, it's just puffy with scars from all these little razor blade nicks that they've done throughout the years. Uh, Dusty Rhodes. Dusty Rhodes is the the best example. If you look up Dusty Rhodes' picture, in fact, Corey, right now, Google Dusty Rhodes. Um, I know Dusty Rhodes. Well, look at his forehead. It is uh, puffy and scarred up from all the times he's cut his head. And um, and, uh, the way he does it in the movie would have been seen by every freaking fan in the audience. It's not at all um, how it's usually done. It's done a lot more secret. Um, It takes him forever to get the blade off of his wristband and then to slowly cut his head. And it's very cinematic, and I get that. But so much of the movie feels like it's 
really behind the scenes and like a documentary for a wrestler that that part really bugged me i'm like this is taking forever for him to do this this is not how it would be done and again i it's cinematic and i get why it was chose to do that way or why aronofsky chose to show it that way but it did as a wrestling fan it, it that part bugged me almost nothing else did from the wrestling stuff i thought the wrestling stuff felt very organic um, I loved being in the locker room, like you said. I thought that was a really cool experience. the uh, the last um, The last match is a Ring of Honor uh, set. Ring of Honor is a competing federation. Um, it is probably the third. It's actually now I think it's the second biggest wrestling federation behind WWE. For a while, it was the third behind uh, TNA, which was Jeff Jarrett's uh, wrestling federation for a while. Um, sorry, movie listeners, you are getting a wrestling history you probably didn't want, but. <laughs> um, you know, those are uh, those are elements that I, I find really even more compelling and why that razor blade scene stands out to me as I didn't wrong. know that. Which part? Well, I didn't know that they did that. I didn't mm-hmm. know that that was a thing. So yeah. I do appreciate that they like put that in slow-mo or that they showed us um, – that I had no idea as he was going into the match, what was going to be happening. I did not know they did that. And I am looking at dusty Rhodes' forehead and it is horrible. Yeah. He's it's like one of the up worst and down. Yeah. He, oh, he yeah. used to bleed in almost like every match. Um, Holy it heck. was a way of selling things, uh, you know, selling uh, the hardcore match, um, in this movie, by the way, I want to talk about that for a minute. Cause I, Whoa. I, uh, I, I grew up, uh, with ECW, um, which was, uh, you had to stay up till I think two in the morning on Friday night to watch ECW. Holy um, it was a uh, Pittsburgh-based. I think it's Pittsburgh. It's definitely Pennsylvania. I feel like Pittsburgh was where it was, but it could be Philadelphia. I can't. It's Philly. Um, ECW was a Philadelphia-based wrestling organization that uh, was hardcore. Like almost every match was a hardcore match, and um, you had like uh, there was a Sandman who he came out with a kendo stick and would beat his own head with it and like until he bled and. Um, there were all sorts of just crazy, crazy matches that eventually got bought out by WWE and they brought the ECW faction into WWE and the hardcore matches really came with it. Um, and WWE for a while, like in the Attitude Era, which is the, uh, glory days of wrestling for 90s kids, um, was Stone Cold, The Rock, uh, Mankind or Mick Foley being Dude Love and all these other, uh, iterations, but always hardcore um, the hardcore title was a thing. Like there was constant hardcore matches, but this one, this was uh, the indie hardcore, which gets really brutal. But the way he shows it in the movie, where we we see it, we see them buying like weapons at the Ew. Dollar Tree, which is really funny. Yeah, it's a little funny sequence of them like just you know they're shopping for just what can we hurt each other with, um, and then we see kind of we hear we hear them kind of talking about the match before the match. We get to the match and we basically get to the Ew. end of it. You know, we're at the end of the match and the mayhem is around them. They're bleeding. You see all this chaos. And then we see him back in the locker room getting stitched up and staples removed and glass removed. But like as this guy. Oh, go oh, ahead. Go ahead. No, go, ahead. go ahead. Well, I was going to say um, that as as we see them like pulling out, like there's a he has a really bad gash on his abs. Ugh. And when we see him start to uh, work on that, we cut to the ring and we see how that happened. It was barbed wire that shoved into his uh, st- stomach. And then they're picking glass out of his back. And we see him slam through this big glass plate with, with the barbed wire on it. So, like, as they're fixing the injuries, we cut back to how they got the injuries. And, um, 
it's in, it's crazy. And of course, that was the match that led to his heart attack. That um, he stands up after they stitch him up, and he's walking to take a shower and collapses. Um, so it was maybe too intense. Uh, maybe all the pain he went through, um, you know, getting stitched up and getting fixed. Because he's at one point when they're they're working on his ab, he's about to puke. Um, it's like the pain is too much, you know. Um, but what were you gonna say? Oh God, the one guy that we don't really know who he is. Um, he's like, so how do you feel about staples? Yeah. And he doesn't get it at first, and he's like, no man, a staple gun. How do you feel about staple gun? And then that guy's like shooting himself with staples. Yep. Guys, my dad worked as a contractor, and that is not a thing that you wanted to do. <laughs> like, that's not you like, ugh. And also, just from a little bit of my reading too, um, I read that um, Mickey Rourke did some amateur wrestling for a while. Oh wow! In preparation for the role? No, I oh, think before. when he was younger. Oh, yeah. interesting. And then a lot of the people that are in this movie, I mean, they're not like super big, well-known wrestlers, but they are wrestlers. So I'm not sure, um, you know, which faction or whatever um, they're from, but they are real wrestlers. I, so I think that's cool. I'm looking at the trivia on IMDb and um, it says that he actually cut his head during that blade sequence. though, like that, Ooh! like he really went all in. Um, and then, uh, I'm looking through some other stuff, but it was during his teen years. Ah, um, yep. There's the Nicholas Cage thing that you mentioned already. Um, but yeah, it's uh, you know, I'm a big fan and um of wrestling, and I I really do I I don't I don't know. There's something about the movie though that I don't love, but I can't quite put my finger on what it is. Um, maybe because it's just such a sad and somber story that it's not as captivating like because talking about it i feel i feel like i love it more having spoke about it now than mm -hmm. when it ended like when it ended even there were parts of the movie where i like i was kind of losing interest i felt like it seemed long um even though it's really not it's super only an long. hour 50 minutes yeah it's it but yeah. it, i agree it felt very long now i did i had a few interruptions where i had to pause the the movie uh to take care of like my dogs and stuff like that um and uh even when my wife and my daughter came home before it was over, I had to pause it because I was worried about the strip club scenes or the, um, I think they came home right after he met the one girl at the bar. And, you and know. that was just like gross. And then at that point, some things became like, that's probably why you're kind of in the situation you're in. He might yeah. not have like made a lot of money, but he's obviously reckless. Yeah. And it definitely self-destructive. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, which we see him really when uh, when he quits the deli, um, oh. when he shoves his thumb through the meat slicer. Um, which oh my god! That part throws me off because like when he does that, I'm expecting him to then like try to get workers comp or something. Yeah. And instead, he quits. Like you know, because I thought what I thought too. Yeah, like he was like forming a plot. Like if I get hurt, I can go home. And I don't have I don't to deal have to with work this crap. These people. Yeah, that that that's where I thought it was going, but instead he has like a full freakout and shoves his thumb into the meat slicer, um, which we never see exactly how bad it is. Just that there's a lot of blood, which he goes wrestling and like wipes the blood on his face and tells his boss he quits. And then he like kicking stuff and running into people as he's leaving the store, just making a scene. Um, it, it's such a that sequence really really. It doesn't feel out of character because we've gotten the vibe that he's self-destructive, but it does. 
it just something it's so jarring to me when that scene takes place like i get why he's frustrated the the rude customer who's like can i have a little more german you know potato salad how about a little less oh she was ridiculous yeah like she was ridiculous so like, like go get a hobby yeah like it's like how, what is your deal lady like it, it like a it's little... gonna be like 20 cents more yeah okay. um so like i got why that really got to him and then the dude who recognizes him but doesn't quite understand why he recognizes him then he actually recognizes him and he lies like no that's not me um doesn't stop yeah like i see it all happening like i'm not saying it's not justified but it does feel really crazy like it just feels so crazy um the way it all plays out and then it's kind of there's no consequences like he there's no like news report about the ram going crazy in a grocery store or like he doesn't get arrested for it like um he just decides to go wrestle you know that's the that's the aftermath is he's done he's fed up with everything and he's gonna put his life on the line to wrestle he'd rather wrestle and risk his life than not wrestle and deal with this anymore agreed so I think that covers um, my my the things I want to talk about. There's some really great sequences in the movie, and I do think overall it's a very interesting portrayal. I don't know if I would watch it again or not. I kind of feel like I want to, because or at least I want to watch some sequences again. I don't know if I would mm-hmm. want to sit through the whole movie again, um, unless I was watching it with someone who hadn't seen it or something. But um, I would still say it's definitely a, a great movie. Um, it's a really compelling story. I I think. I might even go as far to say it's a must-see film, um, especially if you're a wrestling fan. I think it's a must-see film. Um, I think the both the performances of Marissa Tomei and Mickey Rourke are worth watching. Um, the story is sad, and that seems to be an Aronofsky trend. Uh, I haven't seen Black Swan or Noah, but um, Requiem for a Dream ends very sad. The Fountain ends, I would say, very sad. You know, there's there's some maybe it's not quite as hopeless as uh as this movie and as uh requiem but there's definitely aronofsky's got a kind of downer tone about his films i definitely agree with that but i feel like this one's easier to watch than some of the others and i'm gonna give it a must-see film also um i definitely uh talking about it uh I feel like that happens a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I end up liking something a lot more. But as a person that, like, I grew up with, like, that whole big, you know, where yeah. wrestling was it and on TV all the time. And I didn't know so many of these things. And I found it very I, – I'm glad I know that, even yeah. though I'm not really a fan. I find it very interesting. And I – like, they just – they do still go above and beyond, even mm-hmm. if – things are scripted and I just find that so crazy. So, um, well, and, and I feel like if you can get around like a little bit of drug use and, um, like some nudity, a little bit of strip club, you know, craziness, yeah. it has a lot to offer. And it, it is a real, while it's not a true story, uh, about the Ram, it is a true story about wrestlers. This, this life that's depicted here is many, 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 many wrestlers across the country. Um, there was a wrestler named Raven. Do you know, is that one? Yeah. Yeah. Um, when my wife and he I. Had, go ahead. Did he have the white face paint? He did for he did face paint for a while. He was the grunge wrestler. He always wore like the flannel and um, he for a long time it was quote the Raven nevermore yep. like that was his big gimmick. Um, I loved him in WCW. He was in ECW and he was in WWE. Um, but in I think it was like 2010, my wife and I went to uh, 
Supercon in Miami. It's a comic book convention in Miami. Um, and they have this really cool thing where they have uh, like a independent wrestling federation down there in Miami that for Supercon, oh. they uh, dress up in cosplay and do like dream matches. So like one of the matches that we saw when we were there was um, Wario and, and um, Waluigi. I don't, Waluigi! Versus Mario and Luigi. Um, and so that was like really it's it's comedic it's also uh you know but it's it's like theme for the, the event like they did batman and, and the joker versus blah, blah blah like it's um funny stuff but then raven was there uh wrestling i don't remember who he wrestled at the end but he wrestled somebody at the end and he did a q a like i rode in the elevator next to raven um <gasps> and He's, you know, it's like he he was there at this convention where all the other wrestlers are just young guys trying to make it in the industry, and he's there trying to make a buck, you know, and not in a negative way. I don't mean any disrespect. His career has beaten him down, though, and I think Raven, if we were to follow him with the camera, we would see a life very much what you see in the wrestler. It's he's going show to show, doing anything he can to continue to be a wrestler, but he can't. He's not doing it at the level that he's he used to, and he can't. Because his body's, I mean, he was a hardcore wrestler. He was beat down tons of times. I mean, the guy's had so many hardcore matches in his career. Um, and he still puts on a good show. But he's, you know, he's he's older. He's beaten up. His body probably can't take it anymore. And that's true of so, so many wrestlers. I really do think that this movie kind of sheds a light on on this industry. And in a way, it's it's kind of sick. Like, as much as I enjoy watching it. Like, think about what these guys do for their, their money. Like, and granted, no one's making them do it, but they are being exploited by, you know, Vince McMahon and the big companies who are, you know, their bodies aren't being, well, to be fair, Vince McMahon and Shane McMahon have wrestled many times. And Shane McMahon, who is the son of Vince McMahon, has put his body through some pretty crazy stuff in the ring. So I guess I can't say they, they ask these people to put their bodies on the line and they don't do it themselves. They definitely have done it themselves. Um, but still, they don't do it at the frequency that some of these wrestlers do. Because, I mean, some of these guys are on tour. They wrestle three to four times a week, and they're on tour all year. There's no off-season for wrestling. Um, usually, if a wrestler gets hurt, uh, and it's not a legitimate injury, like they're hurt on, on camera, that's their vacation. They're gone for a few weeks because they're hurt. Um, but otherwise, <laughs> they go 365, you know. That's so nuts. It, it's a crazy job. And, again, they choose to do it. Um but, you know, if they're not well taken care of uh, financially while they're doing it and or if they aren't smart enough to make sure they have money when it's over, they have a hard time. And you've seen like Hulk Hogan's come back to wrestling several times and he's he has been hurt like he has had back surgery after back surgery. Um, Ric Flair uh, has been in the wrestling world for years. He's still he's currently I, I think he's OK, but he was in the hospital. Everyone was like panicked that this was going to be it for Ric Flair that he was going to pass, but I think he's pulled through. I think he's out of the hospital for last I heard, but you know, he's, he's still been in the ring. The dudes, I think he's in his sixties and he's still been in the ring in the last couple of That's... years. You know, it's crazy. Um, and if he's not wrestling, he's still involved. Like he's a manager and he'll take a bump from time to time. And, um, you know, you have all of these wrestlers who they're still doing it, not necessarily because they love it. Although I do think that's part of it. But necessity, you know, they have to. There's just their money's gone or they they went away for a while thinking they could retire, but only to find out that they don't have it. And there's been a bunch of young guys whose careers have been ended really short. Edge, 
Um, his career was ended because of a neck injury. Stone Cold Steve Austin is the very same, although Stone Cold was fortunate enough to get an acting career that, uh, while it not been nearly the level of, like Dwayne The Rock Johnson, it probably helped pay the bills, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and like, um, I didn't realize uh, what you said about, like, the, if you, about, like, their pay. I mean, we obviously don't know numbers, but we know that football players get paid a lot because mm-hmm. they're, you know, career is going to be probably pretty short and to make it enticing. And if they don't get paid well and they get hurt, I just didn't know that about, you know what I mean? If they're not yeah. one of the highest. And I don't, I don't know. Um, I know that with like football, we know their, their contracts, like it's public information for some reason. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure why that is, but uh, like what the difference is. Cause you don't hear dollars with wwe and i i've been in, i have i've been out of it for a few years now so i i don't know if something's changed but um i used to read a lot of the the behind the scenes like articles and stuff and you would never see specific numbers with them like um they would hint at like big figures for like when dwayne johnson came back um to wrestle at wrestlemania a few years ago everyone knows he had a big paycheck we all know because he, of who he is though he's dwayne the rock johnson we know what he's making for his movies but I never saw any specific numbers of what he got from WWE. I don't know if it's maybe. I think they're a public company now. I think there there are stocks on the the stock exchange for WWE. But oh, I, I I could be wrong. And so maybe if they are a private company, that that's why we don't hear their numbers. But I don't hear them for TNA or for Ring of Honor either. Um, I just know from like the various like the diary thing that they did with MTV. There's a few documentaries about wrestling that exist out there, and I've seen one or two of those. Um. You know, it is it is a it's a harsh industry, and I do think Aronofsky did a good job of really showcasing that. And I think again, while it's not his emphasis, the strip club is also uh, it's paralleled to it that it's also a harsh industry. That um, you know, he doesn't he kind of hints like there's a scene when she uh, she kind of walks out to go see him, and you, I expected her to get like crap from her boss or something, and you never see that. And I feel like that's where the parallels we don't see like the repercussions of her leaving her job or the risks or, you know, like we don't see She's not addicted to drugs. We don't see her being like the worst we see that happens to her is guys are rude to her and they're only rude by like making fun of her age. Like nobody attacks her or assaults her. We don't see anything like that. Um, so he doesn't really show like how strip clubs could be, I guess like he does with wrestling. Like we really see the aftermath of wrestling. We just see that like, Hey, I guess when you get older, people make fun of you like as a stripper. Mm-hmm. I feel like also in her case, she has her son that she tries to take care of, and maybe that keeps her being clean. But that mm-hmm. doesn't keep us from seeing that story of the other strippers. But we don't really get a lot of the other strippers at all, anyway. No, and that's where I'm saying, like maybe hit, maybe mm-hmm. I'm putting more on the parallel, um, just because of the aging thing, because that is definitely a part of both stories. Mm-hmm. But maybe he wasn't really pushing for it, like I was trying to read into it. Um, it just seemed like because why else make him go to a strip club? Because like if you don't have a lot of money, going to a strip club seems like a horrible idea. Like that that place wants your money. They like they don't want you and $60? there. Sixty dollars? <gasps> yeah, yeah. I'm like, dude, you you can't pay your your rent. Why are you paying sixty dollars for that? Or like for alcohol too? Like if you're broke, you don't go drinking at a bar. That costs a lot of money. You go buy a bottle at the liquor store, like the cheap bottle too, like the ten dollar in a plastic bottle of vodka. And you drink that like you're not you're not drinking shots at a bar because that's six to ten bucks a pop like mm-hmm. um, which again might be why Plus he's ten. broke. But yeah, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, uh, 
we're, we we went after what nonetheless um <laughs> we both like the movie we always do. there's we some always good do. stuff um there's definitely a lot to talk about with the film and um i don't think well i do think it's the most accessible aronofsky film i also think it could be very misleading if this was the first aronofsky film that you watched you're in for a horrible surprise with the rest of his films that's like, true because this is not like his other movies that i've seen and i've not seen two and two of his more recent ones, in fact, uh, that both follow the wrestler. I've not seen Black Swan or Noah. Um, and Noah got hated on pretty hard. But we, I think our explanation for that seems to be the uh, not staying true to the quote unquote source material, uh, a.k.a. the Bible. So <laughs> um, I think he got a lot of hate for that more so than necessarily the movie itself. Um, mm-hmm. But I've not done any reading on it. I just remember hearing a lot of people not happy with it. Um, but I'm going to check that one out. I do have access to watch that one and I'm going to watch Black Swan first, I think. Although I might say Black Swan because that, that one's, I think, his most critically acclaimed and that one did get Natalie Portman the Oscar. So Did it? I've only seen that movie one time. That's all I needed to see, but it had my girl Winona in it is why I went. Oh, I didn't realize Winona and Natalie Portman were in it. Yeah, she doesn't have a huge part, but again, we're kind of dealing with that aging out of your... Oh, okay. Oh, Amelia Cruz so. is in it too. I did not know that. And now yep. I'm confirming. I'm yeah. It says one one Oscar win, and it is Natalie Portman for best um best actress, which is what I thought. Um. So Corey, it's your turn to pick a movie because I'm pretty <gasps> sure I picked The Wrestler, which I didn't give you a heads up. So Dang it, I'm so bad at this job. Um. Well, I think we've hit all the Aronofsky uh films that that you haven't seen, so I don't want to do another one of those. So I'm not going to suggest that. Um, we have recently got, uh, access to Filmstruck. It's something that Corey and I are both doing, um, which I have to say, I don't think Filmstruck is for everybody. Um, but I think for hardcore cinephiles, it is pretty great. Uh, you have access to a lot of really awesome, um, movies, um, including most of the Criterion Collection, although not all of the Criterion Collection. And I would say that, um... With Criterion, a lot of times, um, well, I would buy them even if I haven't seen them because I want to own it. And there wasn't really a way to get a hold of the film otherwise. And paying like the, I think, what is it, like three or four extra dollars a month to get access to the Criterion? Yeah, and they even they have a they have a year long subscription if you're if you have like money saved up to spend that way. But it's like a hundred and nine bucks or something for the year, um, which isn't bad if you have it. Uh, and it's not bad if you don't. I mean, it's it's like 11 bucks or 12 bucks a month. But again, it, it is not newer movies. Uh, it could be because Criterion doesn't seem to have a bias about like time. They don't seem to have like a statue of limitation, so to speak, because Boyhood was added to Criterion like almost instantly. Um, but there is a lot of stuff on there. And I'm trying to give you some time, so I hope you're looking for a movie. But <laughs> I am. Okay. I've, I've been adding. So after, like, uh, we watched a couple heavy movies, I cried like a baby when we watched The Fountain. I've been um, wanting to watch a watch a horror movie, so I've added a couple. Um, I say let's go with Phantasm. Oh, okay. Um now this is a movie I am familiar with. I don't think I've ever seen. However, I feel like I played a uh, computer game when I was. Which I, this one is? Sorry, go ahead. Oh, oh, when I was probably like fourteen, um, that was on my aunt's computer that I think was based on this movie. Now this is on Filmstruck or no? 
Um, no, I think that okay. I can't remember. I think that this one is actually on. Uh, it's either Showtime or HBO Go. One of those has okay. almost all the Phantasm movies because I think there are five or six. And now I I know of this movie. This is a movie that gets uh, same thrown into a lot of conversations. It's definitely. <laughs> um, I wouldn't have thought it would have a seventy-two on Metacritic, which is interesting because that this doesn't seem like that type of movie that would get critical acclaim. Although mm-hmm. it, it does not say how many critics have rated it, so I'm kind of intrigued by that. Especially since it was made in 79. Exactly. You wonder how yeah. many. A lot of times movies pre-90 uh, don't have Metacritic scores, um, with few exceptions. But um, this is uh, this is a, a first for Movie Club. We've not gone this um, this type of horror. This has got, uh, you know, it's a hard R from what I understand. There's a lot of um, gore and violence in this movie uh so i'm intrigued i'm I'm intrigued i like this a lot i like this idea this is a don coscarelli i'm not sure if i'm saying that correct i am horrible at enunciation of names so um so next week for movie club we're gonna be watching phantasm which i have to say i love the runtime just an hour and 28 minutes yes um if you choose to watch this movie before our recording and you'd like to give your thoughts on Phantasm and have potentially have them read on the podcast, you can email us, um, contact at BurkeReviews.com. Hold on a second. <laughs> can you give us that email one more time? Sure. It's contact at BurkeReviews.com. And you can tell us um, about Phantasm. You can tell us about The Wrestler or any of the other movies that we've done. We're always looking to hear from our, our listeners. Um, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the show. Uh, maybe you disagree with my, my opinion and Corey's. Maybe we'll read those. Maybe we won't. Maybe we'll just, you know, print those out and burn them for therapy. But nonetheless, we look forward to hearing from you at contact at BurkeReviews.com. Um, you can read my reviews on BurkeReviews.com. Corey, from time to time, will write something, but not too often. But that's okay. Um, we're back here every week. Uh, we also have top five movies. I do want to mention our two other podcasts on the Burke Reviews family of podcasts. Uh, we have The Rough Cut with... Um, Odie Matthews and uh, what is it? The Professor Pugsley, and um, it's another movie podcast. They focus on movie news and reviews of more current films than what Corey and I usually do for Movie Club. Um, and then we have a new podcast that I'm very excited to talk about. Uh, it's called the Wild Card Pod. Have you uh, seen that? We added that, Corey. Yes, and it was three episodes at once. Yep, his, right? his, It's a former student of mine, a graduate of mine, who's about to graduate. Um, college uh, in media studies uh, with a focus on, I believe, creative writing, if I'm not mistaken. And um, he's had this kind of itch to do a podcast. Um, I am the second episode of the podcast. Uh, oh, cool. Um, he was in town and he uh, he told me about it. And I was excited. And I that's when we started talking about him joining the Burke Reviews family. And um, he, he wanted to do three episodes before he put them out. And then his goal is to do like seasons, so um, I think he'll do like ten episodes, and then he'll be he'll be gone for a couple months, and then he'll come back and do ten more episodes. But uh, the premise of the podcast is that um, he just wants to talk to people. You know, these aren't necessarily celebrities, although he might talk to celebrities, and just talk about whatever subject they are knowledgeable in. So for me, it's movies and teaching um, are our primary focuses of like what it's like to be a teacher. Um, movies in general and then we ended up talking about politics which is an area that i am by no means an expert but suddenly find myself uh very compelled to learn a lot more um 
but I I really enjoyed doing the podcast. Now I haven't listened to the other two episodes just yet, but they just went up uh, the other day. So if you are a fan of podcasts and you're a fan so far of what we've brought to the table, please uh, check out Wildcard Pod um, and the Rough Cut. Subscribe to them. Subscribe to BerkReviews.com. If you could go to iTunes and review and rate our podcast, that would help us greatly to spread the word about both Burke Reviews uh, Movie Club and Top Five Movies. Um, Corey and I will be on Top Five Movies this week. We're doing. Uh, best of the 70s and I'm looking forward to doing this one have you started your list yet nope slacker I started mine last I night. always start like Saturday yeah, usually I, I do but for these I there's a, a limited number of movies to pull from for same me. so it's mm-hmm. like these are easy to kind of like start trimming them down like I don't have my list in order yet mind you I just have like 10 movies that now I have to figure out which five make the actual list um mm-hmm. But I mean, I've I've got like forty five movies that I've seen from the seventies, and of those forty five, like fifteen to twenty of them are movies that I absolutely love. So it's it's a little hard to make my top five for the seventies, and I have to kind of weigh some options because if you've listened to the show, there's a few that are obvious that I love, and I don't know if I want those to be on my list or not because they're obvious. So kind of weighing our options, but. That's it for this week. Uh, we'll be back next week with Phantasm, our review of Phantasm, as well as what's coming out on home video and what's coming to theaters on September 8th, which I have a couple of movies that I'm excited about. So, Corey, thank you so much. Thank you. And we'll be back, folks. Bye, guys. Peace, everybody. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com.